Brian brings a tremendous perspective to Jesus Smart, the podcast, biblical perspective. I'd say he has an imperative message for the body of Christ to help cut through the spiritual fog. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you're connecting with the podcast today. By the way, I want to let you know about a brand new feature on the podcast starting in this episode, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But first, the research today is clear. It's clearly indicating that the surrounding culture is transforming the church more than the church transforming the culture. After listening to this episode, episode 207, with our guest Stephanie Rothman, you can go back and listen to the first part of our conversation, episode 206. We sat down in a coffee shop, opened up the mics, and had a great dialogue about family discipleship. Stephanie Rothman is a children's pastor, and her secret sauce is empowering families to disciple their kids. Speaking of secret sauce, I'm just thinking tonight we will have organic spaghetti sauce with organic spaghetti and some grass-fed beef. I'm just going to establish that now and look forward to that tonight. All right. Do you know that there are high-level dividends when we invest in children? And when we're talking about discipleship, I like to think of it as teaching. That's what Jesus said. And I like to think of the concept of 3D discipleship. Are you ready for this? Discovering, developing, and deploying agents of King Jesus. This is about the kingdom. Now, are you a parent? Maybe you're a parent-to-be. Maybe you anticipate being a parent. Are you a grandparent, an extended family member? Maybe other influencers with kids like teachers, coaches, neighbors, or really anyone who cares and is ready to step up. This is for you. Stephanie shares practical experience in discipling kids along with her husband, Jason, in their own family. And she has some innovative thinking and practice about gaming up to meet this societal and cultural moment with the kingdom reality of Jesus Christ. This is Brian Del Turco, and you're connected with Jesus Smart, the podcast. This is episode 207. Our conviction here is that the future is moving powerfully in the direction of Jesus Christ. The future is his, and the future is bleeding into the now. I like to call him Designer Jesus. Designer Jesus knows how our lives work best as we yield to him, as we seek him, as we seek first the kingdom, ultimate design. We can actually start living now in the light and power of what's coming. You can listen to this podcast just about anywhere podcasts are heard, including the mothership, jesussmart.com. Check the show notes page out for this episode, jesussmart.com slash children For both episodes 206 and 207, there are links there to resources that we talk about in these episodes and more information for you to dive just a little bit deeper on this topic. The best indication for this podcast is you. We appreciate you sharing this with a friend or two. And when you do that, you can get all the good feels, okay, about sharing something that we think is valuable with your friend or acquaintance or contact. Now, are you ready for that new feature, Jesus Dynamics? When you look up the definition of dynamics, dynamics are forces or properties which stimulate growth, development, or a positive change within a system or process. For example, 
we could talk about the dynamics of our family life or maybe the, the dynamics of a relationship or what are the dynamics of a consistently winning team or maybe a, a successful enterprise. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there's a way that things work and kingdom dynamics or Jesus dynamics are applying the Jesus way to all of life powerful change, and unlimited potential. So this feature is called Jesus Dynamics, and you'll get a sense of it as we get right into the first edition of this new feature. And so our first Jesus Dynamic feature is the powerful value of repentance. Don't run away. Repentance is a positive thing. Repentance is a word in the New Testament which simply means to change the mind And by inference, it changes our whole lifestyle, the outcomes of our life. David said in Psalm 139, God, search me. And it's such a good thing to pray this prayer. Know my heart, God. Try me. Know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so we we pray to God, Father, grant us the gift. Would you grant us the gift of a deep and clear repentance. You know, Jesus gave us prayer architecture in the Gospels, and part of that Lord's Prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This applies to our personal lives, our relationships, families, family systems, organizations that we're a part of, businesses, communities of faith, governments, nations, everything. The gift of a deep and a clear repentance, the renewing of the mind, And coming around more accurately to God's POV point of view on every facet of life. Do you know that to confess our sin before God in 1 John 1, 9, the word there means to say the same thing as. So we're simply agreeing with God about his point of view. Now, I love the Japanese word kaizen, and I love the philosophy of it. It's a Japanese term meaning change for the better or continuous improvement. It's actually a Japanese business philosophy regarding the processes that continually improve operations involving everyone and everything. And the concept Kaizen actually encompasses a wide range of ideas. I think it's a helpful thinking skill to think about continuous repentance, continual renewal in the Lord. And so it's the rinsing of a kingdom agent. We're talking about highly functional disciples of Jesus Christ. Paul talked about the washing of water by the word in Ephesians chapter 5. James talks about laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receiving with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls, save our life. James 1. And Paul writes to Titus speaking about the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, Titus chapter 3. And so repentance is foundational to kingdom reality. The first thing that Jesus said as he began his public outreach and public ministry was to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or has drawn near to you. And repentance is also a continuous development in the kingdom. We don't change our minds just once when we first come to Jesus. It's a continual process of our minds being renewed, our point of view being transformed and elevated, and the concept of repentance, that Jesus dynamic 
continuously working. Here's the mystery. You're accepted in Christ. You're in right standing with Christ as a gift of grace by faith alone. But the Jesus dynamic of repentance is applied Christ following. It's how we apply to life and are practically transformed. And we come into new spaces, broader places, and new levels of what it means to be a kingdom agent as we follow Christ. And so there you have it, our maiden voyage of Jesus Dynamics, our new feature. I hope you found that helpful. Any thoughts? Reach out. Let me know. Let's get right back into our conversation with Stephanie Rothman, innovative thinking about gaming up to meet this societal and cultural moment with the kingdom reality of Jesus Christ, discipling kids. Tell me about some of the things you're doing in your home, if that's okay, with your children. Well, first and foremost, I want my kids to see me uh, reading my Bible and doing my own quiet time, my own quiet study. So that becomes um, a picture that they relate to me. When they think of me, they think of me reading my Bible, studying the word, praying, praying all the time for everything in our home, every decision that we make always going to God in prayer about it as a family, actually. Really? Like in a given day, maybe so like pray without ceasing. Paul said, is, is that how you do that? You, something comes up, you just take a few minutes and pray about it. I don't think we're perfect at it, but we sure do try to consider everything in prayer. It's not like you got to gather the kids and say, okay, we're going to have a 90 minute prayer meeting now. <laughs> it, it's, it's sort of woven into your, your lifestyle. Right. One of my most common questions I ask my children is what is God telling you about this? And that is encouraging them to go to the father in prayer. They hear from the Holy Spirit. They hear from God. So they come with what, a problem or a some conundrum or something or an opportunity maybe. I mean, my son has been trying to decide a college and that's been a huge life decision. And he and I have had hours of conversation about it. But what it all comes down to is what is God telling you? What is the Holy Spirit leading you into? And I can't make this decision for you. I'm not going to make this decision for you. The Lord has a plan for your life and you need to be seeking that plan. It was hard to, it's hard to do that as a parent because you're, you want to say, oh, I'll make this decision for you and I'll make the best decision for you. But really, if we're trusting our children to be in God's hands, that they're his children, we need to trust that they hear from the Holy Spirit. And it's good for them to build that while they're under your care and covering. Yes, because it's going to get even more serious later, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer, as the old hymn says. Absolutely. It's old school, but it's right. They talk about minute steering energies, you know, backing away and just doing steering energies and shaping. It's, it's a more subtle form of parenting, especially as they get older. And it's like yielding a lot of it back to the Lord. Lord, you go ahead and take it because here's, you know, instead of me coming in with some big heavy-handed directive, you know. Right. And I want my kids to practice hearing from God. I want them to seek and, and learn what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like in their own minds, in their own heart, in their own spirits. Very good. And so are you doing that as well? Is that starting to leak through in your, in your ministry at the church as a children's pastor with the children as well as equipping parents and others in children's lives? It's interesting. Um, I did some 
I teach a fourth and fifth grade kind of intensive class and we did a six week kind of intensive on Sunday nights and it was just geared towards what do I want these fourth and fifth graders to know before they kind of like leave my covering because um, there's quite a bit of research that says by 13 there's a it's pretty solidified inside of you what you're going to believe and about especially about your your biblical worldview and your spiritual beliefs and I feel I felt compelled um, by the Holy Spirit to to touch on prayer with these fourth and fifth graders now I did some stations of prayer some prayer practices for them and they were like just different things. One was a thankfulness and one was a silence and solitude, a time of silence and solitude. And one was a prayer for healing. And they kind of, I kind of walked them through these five minute intervals of prayer. And I had some serious doubt if they were going to be able to sustain for that long, but I did it. I took a risk and did it. And they were amazing. I mean, they shocked me to the point where I was crying by the end because I was so blessed because they didn't want to stop praying and it was a beautiful thing to see. So sometimes we discount, (laughs) we discount our kids thinking that they're not mature enough, wise enough. They won't be able to process it. Even letting them sit in a a service in the main sanctuary, we think it's going to be over their heads, but that's not really true. Yeah. So a lot of this is caught and not so much directly taught, right? Oh yeah. I would definitely agree with that. In the church and at home and even For in sure. other places, yeah. I want to say 50-50, but I would say it's probably more like 60-40 or even 70-30 that they catch a lot of things by and by watching us and seeing it done by the adults, for sure. It's almost in like the atmosphere. It's in like the ethos of the family. Yeah. Or of the church. and right. it's And it's caught. And now how important do you think it is to, because you have to have a sort of a pulse on the culture, don't you? as a children's pastor and as a parent, how important do you feel that it is to like know what's out there or maybe hear from your, you're asking your children what's your high and your low and you hear, <laughs> you get some report back from school or something um, to be able to be like responsive, proactively responsive in terms of discipling, you know, countering, yeah, counterbalancing. Yeah, for it's sure. A, it's a fast moving popular culture, right? We know that the culture is shaping our children's lives and it's the time there's so much time. Yeah, talk about that, the time. What is the, like, in education, there's something called contact hours, right? I remember right. I used to be involved in Christian ed, and right. it's called contact hours, right? Yeah. How many contact hours do you have with the child? So I, I kind of thought about this and sort of added it up, and I would say that an average elementary school teacher has about five good hours a day with their students. You know, take away recess and gym and art and music and all that other stuff. I would say if you compare that to Sunday school, maybe one and a half hours a week, if you're lucky, if you've got a good solid teaching time, one and a half hours a week, but also the amount of time that our kids spend on social media, there has to be a a counterbalance for that in our homes. And so we need to be taking every opportunity that we're given and to be intentional and mindful about talking with our kids, looking at them in the face, right? Spending intentional time with them. And another thing that I I started doing, I, I was a little convicted about my kids' time in the morning recently. And, um, they were waking up and getting their breakfast and then turning their phones on to watch like videos and on their phones. I think this is a common thing for kids, but, 
I really encourage my kids, let's turn off the videos in the morning and let's do a devotional in the morning. And that um, came with some moaning and groaning. But, you know, pretty soon, pretty soon with with some intentionality on my part and some follow through on our on Jason and my part, they we're doing the verse of the day. So easy, right? So easy to get the verse of the day coming up on your phone in the morning versus turning on a YouTube video, right? And then let's talk about this verse of the day. Let's focus on what jumps out at us. I mean, it takes less than five minutes while we're eating the cereal at the breakfast table and I'm drinking a cup of coffee. But that is sort of, that's a little tweak in our day that has sort of reset how our house feels in the morning. It sets a different tone at the top of the day, right? Yeah, and it it took maybe a week to for them to adjust to yeah, it and right and so get past the weeping and gnashing of teeth phase. Right, <laughs> so I'm I'm I really am here to encourage parents like you can do it. You can do these little tweaks in your daily routine to start just bringing the word of God into their lives. One verse a day, that's seven verses a week. I mean, it's a small step, but it's a great step. It's seven more verses than they had before that. I mean, listen to what Paul tells Timothy. He says, I know the faith that was first in your grandmother, Eunice, and in your, maybe I'll get the names, but okay, your grandmother and your mother, and I know it's in you as well, and that from childhood, you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to lead you to salvation. I mean, you see generational influence there, multi-generational, grandparent, parent, child, and then the, this vital principle of scripture intake during childhood. I've been so influenced by that scripture in my thoughts about discipling my own family. And I've been encouraged by that scripture. And, you know, there are times as parents, I know... I've talked to parents, they, they feel totally discouraged, totally disheartened, um, totally ill-equipped. But the word, the word promises us that if we will um, ask for the wisdom, we can, the Lord will give it to us. We can hand it down to our children. We can do it together. You can be honest with your kids like, I'm learning too. Let's learn together. Let's read this verse together. Let's talk about it together. Yeah, the word of God is powerful. We definitely don't have to be perfect to be good disciples of our disciplers of our children. You just have to position yourself in front of scriptural intake. You know, Isaiah 55 says that the word of God will not return void. It will succeed in the purpose for which it was sent without fail. It's powerful. It's the greatest resource we really have. I like to talk about the word and the wind. You know, if you can marry the word and the Holy Spirit, you're ready to see some boats sail across the waters, you know, with destiny and purpose. I was able to attend a big major uh, kids pastors conference um, at the beginning of the month. And they talked about what is our number one goal? And and we all kind of came to this consensus. We don't want kids to know about Jesus. We want kids to know Jesus. And an intimate relationship with Christ. And how can we develop lessons? How can we develop programs? How can we develop opportunities for kids to really know Jesus, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, real experiences in worship and prayer, 
and, um, you know, the spiritual gifts, because when you have really experienced it, it's really hard to talk you out of it. It's really hard to tell you that didn't happen to you. That's not true. For sure. You know, it's the difference between the head knowledge and the heart knowledge. Yeah. Where you encounter God, right? You're talking right. about encountering God. It, seeing Jesus on a flannel graph. Okay. <laughs> That's little abstract, but feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that is the goal of discipleship from any aspect of, of you know, kids workers to grandparents to parents to, um, you know, lead pastors of their church. They should all be thinking about how can we help bring children to a real, true, intimate relationship with Christ. And the Holy Spirit is key in that, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. The helper will come. You know, um, I don't know if you're listening, what your theological background is. And sometimes there's a real emphasis upon the Bible, which is good, the word, but to marry it with the wind. Right. To marry it with the Holy Spirit, the word and the spirit is that dynamo that I think uh, Stephanie's talking about where you get that personal encounter. Right. You can't encounter God without the Holy Spirit. Right. You can't. You can't just encounter God with your Bible. It has to be with the Holy Spirit. And uh, if we're going to be, if we're going to live what I like to call full spectrum Christianity or Christ following, not half spectrum, full spectrum Christ following, we have to have the person and work of the Spirit operating in our lives. The way that Jesus talked about it. Yeah. (laughs) He's the one who said it in John. Read like... And notice that, like in John 13 through 17, the evening before he dies, what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the vital vital importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's getting ready to die. He knows the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon the church. So to ignore that or to minimize that, to quench that, to, to speak against it, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't speak against the Spirit. Jesus always honored the Holy Spirit. I really believe if we can give these, if we can give our kids this encounter when they are with us, then it will stand up to the buffeting that they are going to get in the world. And that's what going back to me telling Andrew and telling um, my other two children, you know, what is God telling you about this? What is God saying about this? I really want my kids to have the encounter, a personal encounter. So let me see. I know there's another point or two we're going to talk about, but let me see if I'm understanding the framework that you're putting out here correctly. You're saying that the local church, it provides these, what I would call like anchor uh, anchor windows during the week, like with children, a children's ministry, maybe a Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe a midweek with youth, you know, a youth ministry. So it provides those anchor windows, but you're talking in terms of contact hours that it can't compete with public ed as well as everything else on top of public ed, right? Right. All the other things. Right. The church should partner with families and equipping families and the church. There's just more time needed. Yeah. And the church is helping parents learn the word. You know, it's a great jumping off point to talk about what was spoken about in the service. And you can continuing continue that throughout the week with your kids. 
or it's a great jumping off point to talk about, wow, that worship experience was really powerful. I really gleaned a lot from that. And here's what I felt like God was saying to me during this time. And that's a great jumping off point as well. But there has to be more intentionality spent during the week. Yeah. And again, there is a special mantle upon parents, which is unique. Right to do that. It's very powerful. Discipling your kids is too important of a job to hand over to somebody else. Absolutely. Okay. So we, we need to see the, you're saying we need to see, and, and there's discipling ministries, of course, which are very valuable. Apologetics ministries creates all kinds of resources to help younger generations. I'm, I was looking at one this past week. It's just incredible. I would encourage you to listen to Dr. Julie Slattery episode 170. Now, I don't know that she coined this term, Stephanie. This world system is out discipling the church. I mean, consider this new study that came out of Arizona Christian University uh, just this past week. Roughly 30% of millennials in the U.S. identify in some way or fashion as LGBTQ. I mean, I would have thought it was maybe five, mm-hmm. 30 it's like nearly a third of millennials. There's definitely a shift happening in our culture. 39% of those between the ages of 18 to 24 are in that category. They self-identify as in that category. And I think it's George Barna who says the generation is redefining sexuality, their own and how to perceive and respond, gender identity and orientation choices of others. This is important, isn't it? I mean... Do you agree with Dr. Julie Slattery that just on the scale of things or maybe the issue of contact hours like you're bringing up that we're being outperformed? Unfortunately, yes, I do agree. I have heard her say that and I've seen that in her in her book. Um, Yeah, I agree. But, you know, as Barna says, like that this generation is redefining sexuality. God is not redefining it. And so we have a responsibility to teach our kids and um, help them navigate that. Now, how important, Stephanie, how important is it to, to not only include like the gospel message of salvation or even the cultivating your relationship deeply with Christ, of course, which is core, but these worldview issues like gender, and maybe this tracks up more towards youth, I don't know, but marriage human sexuality, economics, you know, business. I think it's extremely important because like we were saying earlier, um, when I'm teaching my kids about how to hear from the Lord and how to pray and how to seek God for the answers on their own, that I want them to do that under while they're under my covering and kind of learn the same idea. I want them to ask the hard questions and I want them to tackle these tough issues with me And so while they're under the covering of living in my home, so that when they leave my covering, they are not totally unprepared. These these are not things that they've never even heard or saw. And then they're so easily swayed by a differing opinion that they don't know how to combat it. So I want to teach my kids while they're with me, here's what the world is going to say to you, and let's figure out how to combat this together. Now, what would you say, Stephanie, as a parent or as a person in the church, like for a remedial effort, recapture those who have already been caught up in this and help them through discipleship to deconstruct that and to reconstruct a biblical worldview? 
what about that issue? Because there, you know, there may be somebody listening who says, yeah, my kid's already gone into that. Yeah, that's a really tough question, but I think it comes down to prayer. Obviously, guidance on the parents' part by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you on what to say if you'll trust. Um, I also think there has to be love. You know, when I say, uh, let's learn how to combat this, I don't mean be combative. I mean combat the uh, the lies with the truth. I, and But it all has to come down to a love, loving perspective. And I think that's the same with a parent who might be feeling like, well, my child's already gone. There has to be a loving um, but truthful discussion. And I think it's going to take more than once. It's going to take more than twice. It's going to take a lot of discussion, a lot of time, a lot of building bridges, a lot of understanding, a lot of combating combating the lies of this world with the truth of God's word. How can we innovate as the church in this area of discipleship? What do you see? How can we innovate? You know, we've li- we live in a time when the resources are so much. There's so many resources. I mean, so many things are available. You can pull up any lesson you can pull up videos to, to show your kids on YouTube that are discipleship lessons on, you know, the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, um, grow, growing in spiritual gifts. I mean, there is so much out there. Perseverance, like all of these things I think of that I've just taught this fourth and fifth grade class in the last few weeks. It was at my, it was it was simple to find. And so parents have that going for them. Okay. They have so many resources available at a, at a buttons click to find to help them. Um, So I think that is one way we can be innovative. We can use the resources that have been put out there to our advantage. Uh, Another way that we can be innovative, and this is kind of like going backwards to go forwards, but is um, family-based worship. You know, it's not really that popular today, but it used to be popular where kids would go in and go to the church service with oh, their family in the church service okay yeah or let's talk about not beyond the church service like i have a mentor who is you know um upper 60s or 70s as a child right like let's talk about intergenerational ministry right. let's talk about uh like a you know, dinners where there's all different age groups, but the kids are allowed to be in on it and they're allowed to hear. Let's talk about prayer meetings where the kids are actually allowed to pray over other kids or over other people. Wait, let's not, it's not just about silo ministry. Silos. It's about uh, an intergenerational connectiveness. And I think that's a way to innovate, but it's going back to a way that it used to be done. I think Dutch Sheets talks about the synergy of the generations. He believes that the, the Holy Spirit is saying and revealing in these days that there will be a release of the synergy of generations. And that's sort of like Malachi, you know, I will restore the hearts of the sons to the fathers and the fathers to the sons. Yeah. I think that's a very powerful dynamic that we need to see. Another thing is small groups, like, like I have seen this work very well with my teens as well as with my um, middle schoolers and even elementary schoolers. When you get them into small groups, let's say I teach a big lesson and then I put them into small groups, age appropriate groups, right? And we go through some questions about uh, the lesson. 
I have found that that is a way to innovate. They respond so much better in small groups that are like more age appropriate than they did in the like the large group. Let's say they might be a little intimidated or a little bit worried about their answers. But um, that small group gives them a sense of belonging as well. It gives them a sense of like, these are my people and I am okay here. I fit in here. Um, I'm safe here. And I think there's a lot to be said about small groups. We do it in, we do it well with adults and we do church community well in small groups, but I don't know that we've always done it so well with kids. And, um, my oldest son is a senior. Like I said, he's kind of, um, gotten a small group with some other seniors and it's been powerful to see the accountability happening amongst these 17 and 18 year old men. And I think that they are really moving together towards something really impactful. And this small group has given him the feeling and the sense of belonging. I love that. So, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to connect you with the resources that you need. Maybe there's national organizations. What books do you recommend? I see you have some here. I know that you're big on the trip books, yeah. right? On shepherding a child's heart. Yeah. This The one that I want to talk about and just mention is um, Intentional Parenting, Family Discipleship by Design by Tad Thompson. It's just a little guidebook, you yeah. know, maybe less than a hundred pages. It's got a real workable outline for how you can get started from the ground floor, discipling your kids and, and what it looks like to do that. And, and even has some questions and workbook kind of like pages to, to help you through and it gives you a framework and it jumpstarts you at least. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. gives you a little bit of, um, backing <laughs> It gives you some, some, Tool, a tool. It's a tool. Another is axis.org. A-X-I-S. This is a huge resource, a, com, a compilation of resources for parents. Pretty much anything you can think of, even how to talk to your kids about disappointment, how to talk to your kids about uh, what we were talking about, gender issues and worldview issues that are kind of bombarding kids. And so if you feel like I'm totally at a loss, I have no, I have no equipment to, to help me with this, access.org, it kind of puts everything together for you. A weekly newsletter coming to me kind of a, with the newest um, information, pop culture information. So when you sign up, Access sends you a weekly email right. updating you and keeping you current. Right. Here's the current events. Here's what's happening and I appreciated that because I didn't know very much. So you impress your kids by knowing beforehand what they're dealing with? <laughs> I knew more than my kids this week. Yeah. Don't tell them you're getting the email. Just let them think the Lord's telling you. I know, really. You know, and there's so many. I, I could spend this whole podcast talking about all the resources that are available for discipleship. The Lord is faithful, isn't he? Yeah. It makes me think of Isaiah. When evil comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise, raise up, up a standard, standard against right. it. He doesn't leave his, his sheep, his church, like totally hapless and helpless. But right. we have to connect with it. We have to find it and participate with it. And your own church. Use your own church as a resource. See sure. what resources they have available for you in family discipleship or what resources they use to, to equip them. And, you know, talk to your children's pastor, your kids' ministry director, and ask for their input. I'm sure that they are using a myriad of resources uh, to help them. Again, you're saying that it's important to equip parents, not just to do silo children's ministry, but to leverage it by 
equipping influencers in children's lives. Yeah, there's great things that happen in kids' church. Of course, we all have great memories of kids' church, and we may have some bad memories of kids' church too, but we all have you know, things that we know we learned in kids' church. And salvation can happen, and baptism in the Holy Spirit can happen, and, ba- and water baptism happens in church. But the lessons that we teach our kids at home on a daily basis, those are the ones that are going to weave the fabric of their lives. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that will, will be that fabric that even as adult children and later in life that you can pull on it will serve as a foundation for your wider family system, your family tree. Yeah. Because you did the, you know, the investment. I don't think it's, I mean, start as early as possible, obviously. Start at birth. Right. But the next best time to plant a oak tree is now, if you didn't do it. 10 years ago. So never give up. Oh, absolutely not. Pray and seek God for what should my approach be? Never give up. Even with adult children, grandchildren, never, ever give up. There's a role to play. Would you pray over this issue, Stephanie? And let's agree together in prayer. And I would encourage um, you to agree in prayer with this as she prays. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for the design of families. It's your design. (laughs) It's, it's your plan. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege to teach our children about you, that we have the privilege to share our love of you with our children. Lord, thank you that they are your children, that you loan them to us and that we have this opportunity to um, guide them and direct them. Lord, give us strength as parents. Give us wisdom as teachers. Give us boldness to share with our families. God, thank you for the resources that are available. Thank you for the wisdom of others that that can be gleaned by us. Lord, we pray a blessing over families. As Brian said earlier, there is an attack on families. And so, God, we just come against that right now, Lord. We thank you that you are strengthening families, even if the numbers don't say you are, Lord. We know that you are. You are doing a good thing in families, and you are doing a good thing in the hearts of your children, yeah, Lord. And you, we, Lord. we speak that truth right now. Lord, I thank you for the time that we got to spend just delving into this uh, topic of family discipleship that is so near and dear to my heart. Lord, thank you that you are um, equipping parents to do the good work of discipleship in their own homes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everybody should be a disciple maker, right, Stephanie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can a friend disciple another friend over coffee? Of course, every day. It's, it's not just uh, in a formal church structure or even in a family structure, right? A three-chord strand isn't easily broken, right? Little clusters. I like to call them kingdom clusters. I think the power is in the micro. The, the micros fit into the macro. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like an architecture in the kingdom. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for your thank time today. You. If you'd like to reach out to Stephanie, let me know and I can connect you with her. The show notes page for this episode, jesussmart.com slash our children. Links there for further resources. Diving just a little deeper on this topic of discipling kids. Thanks, Stephanie, for carving out time to come on the podcast. I appreciate it. Appreciate your husband, your family, what's happening in your family. And we appreciate the valuable content you've brought to the podcast audience. Listener, would you share this with one or two of your friends? It is the absolute best 
syndication. Jesus is brilliant. Walk with him and you'll catch his brilliance in a unique way. Let's connect again soon.